Let's look to the Lord. It's good to be in the house of God. Father, we just want to say first, we love you, Lord. That's the first and the greatest commandment. To love you with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength. And where more on planet earth can we love you more than in your own house, O Lord? For you said, if two or three gather in my name, I will be in your midst. And you are here. Lord, we want to say we love you. We love you for taking care of us in the midst of this pandemic and chaos. And this year, especially. Nine months and 17 days you brought us through. Not a scratch. You met us at a point of need. And you were there always. Though we must have grumbled, many must have grumbled and murmured. You didn't leave us. Because you didn't leave the children of Israel in the desert, though they murmured and grumbled. You fed them, you clothed them, you protected them. Every day of those 40 years while they wandered, you are still the same God, that faithful God. For your word says, even when we are unfaithful, you are still faithful because you cannot deny yourself. For your name is the faithful and the true one. And this morning as we come to the ministry of the word, we come to that one person, the true and the faithful one. For you alone have the words of life, O Lord, that you would speak to us. We haven't come for knowledge. We have come for life. Knowledge puffeth. But your word is spirit. The flesh profits nothing. But it is life to the spirit. And life to the whole man's flesh. Speak life into us today, Lord. That no one goes back the way they came. They will go back stronger. They will go back filled. We go back knowing God was with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Speak to us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. If you remember, we've been looking at family and church together. Family and church. Because they are one. If you go to the first words we have from Ephesians. 531. If it was only 31, then we would be focusing on family. When you put 32, we have to focus on church because you have everyone comes from a home and hope to have a home of your own. If you're unmarried one day, you hope to have a home of your own. So there are two homes. One is your home. The other is the church, which is the family of God. So the fundamentals are put over there. How do you build these things? The first law is this. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. So when it comes to the church, we looked from the book of Acts, and we saw right in the beginning, when 3,000 were added, before that there was 120 that was there. Before that there was 10 that was there, and a week later, 11 that was there, then 120 on the day of Pentecost, and after that, 3,000. And in each of these cases, you will see, before Christ could speak to them, Christ could minister to them, there had to be a separation. On the day of resurrection evening, when Jesus appears before to his disciples, the Bible says, for the fear of the Jews, they were locked in, but they were separated, and they were together. Both words matter. You need to be separated from the world and we need to be together. 
That's what the Bible says in the book of Acts. They were together and had everything in common. What does it mean? They are sharing one life. One life. And we see when the church began on the day of Pentecost and subsequently they see. They gathered daily for the apostles' doctrine. We need doctrine. We need truth. We need the word of God because everything is based on the word of God. If you go to a government office, you go to a government office, you will actually find there's a rule book. An office functions on the rule book. And whenever there is a doubt, they consult the rule book. Okay? For everything you need. So you cannot have fellowship without doctrine. Fellowship is there in the world. There's plenty of fellowship in the world. But if you notice, much of the fellowship in the world has no rules. They will come over one interest. Like, my friend David texts me, I think, last night at midnock. We won. So I texted him back saying, what is it? You got a lottery. He said that, no, CSK won. IPL. Now imagine IPL, CSK, and whoever is playing, is playing, okay? And there is this crowd. Let us play Say it is happening in Chennai. So that is home ground. The entire stadium is full. They are gathered with one purpose to see CSK win. And they have united in heart, in action, in emotion, everything. But there's no doctrine. No doctrine. There's no fellowship. There's no intimacy. There's nothing held in common. Once a whistle is over, the game is over, they all go back and they don't even know each other. So you need to understand, around the world, there is fellowship at different, different places. There is fellowship, but there is no doctrine. When you go to your offices, you talk, but there's no doctrine behind your talk and your life. You share a common life in the office, but offices is ours. It's gone. You don't even think about them. You don't call about them. You don't ask about their well-being. That's not part of your life. Church is different. Home is different. It's a shared life. You cannot have a shared life without doctrine. And if you are not able to share that life, it is because you have not received a doctrine. Sitting in a garage does not make you a car. Sitting in a church does not make you a Christian. You can sit in church and die in church without receiving doctrine. Look at the appearance of Jesus Christ when he comes to destroy the enemy. In Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 to 16. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called, his name is called, what is Jesus name? His name is the word of God. That's why the word of God, the word of God says the word of God. He has magnified his word above all his name. Do you know that until this revelation was given to John in the island of Patmos in a vision, Nobody knew what was the name of Jesus. That his name is the word of God. That is why through John we have the revelation when he writes the gospel of John. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. 
And then coming down further, the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with the rod of iron. He himself treads. So out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. What is that double-edged sword? It is his word. We already have dealt with the word. The word has dealt with us. We have been made clean by the word. Therefore, when he comes in judgment, the word doesn't destroy us. Because the word has saved us. There are only two things the word of God will do. Either it will save you or it will destroy you. So let it save you. And you sit in the church, listen. Let it save you. Let it not destroy you one day. And then, verse 16. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So what are his names? Word of God, King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Do you know what you're holding in your hand? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. A physical manifestation of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Give this honor. Meditate upon it day and night. You can bank your life on it. It will take you into eternity. You discard it. You discard it at your own peril. You put something else and somebody's words and education and knowledge and all this about this. All that is useful. About this, you will be destroyed ultimately by the word of God. That's why we need doctrine. And almost every problem a Christian is facing is not because the problems you are facing. Because you have exalted the opinion of man about the word of God. If somebody should have been destroyed, it was Jesus. They couldn't destroy him. He had nothing. He owned nothing. He walked through the midst of people who were willing to kill him and wanted to kill him. They couldn't touch him until his appointed hour. You know why? Because he exalted the word of his father above everything else. Even when the devil came to the devil, he said, it is written. It is written. And we, our generation, has been given the word like no generation. For thousands of years, almost no believer or a Jew had a personal copy of the Bible. It was not available. And for hundreds of years, if you had a copy, your life was at risk because you were not allowed to own a copy. Go to Afghanistan. See what is happening over there. They are checking the phones of people to see if the Bible app is there. And if the Bible app is there, you and your family is immediately executed. That's why we keep telling you, a day like that will come across the world. Keep the app here. Hide the word in your heart. So that that's where no one can touch. No one can touch. The day and the hour is here. Around the world, there is a unity of kings, like Psalm 2 says. A conspiracy of kings against the king of kings and the lord of lords. And God sits in his throne and he laughs at them. He laughs at them. So the word of God, if you don't have doctrine, you don't have life. Let me tell you straight. You have an earthly life. You have a fleshly life. You have a physical life. You do not have spiritual life. If you do not have the word... You do not have life. For Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. He said, John 6, 63, my words are spirit and life. The flesh profits nothing. If the words I speak from here today profits you nothing, that means you are dead. It's a very dangerous 
place to be. It's a very dangerous place to be. When I was praying over the worship team in the morning, what I impressed in my spirit was that if today is your last Sunday, before next Sunday the Lord comes or you die, would you be able to say to the Lord, I gave you my best on my last service on church, on planet earth. Would you be able to say? Lord, I didn't know. For no man knows the hour of his death unless it is revealed to him. But would you be able to say 17th of October was my last Sunday service on earth and Lord, I am able to say I have given you my best. That's how the book of Revelation is given. Because the Bible says in the island of Patmos, he is in prison, he is in jail, he is being persecuted and he says it was the Lord's day and I was in the spirit worshipping the Lord alone. And I heard the voice of the Lord like a trumpet. He didn't know his end. But you know what? Every day he gave God his best. And God revealed his best to us through him. The book of Revelation. I always think if John hadn't worshipped, would you have got a revelation? Worship. The word. So last week we looked at doctrine. And how doctrine holds a family together. The word of God holds a family together. And the word of God from which faith comes. I'm not talking about the word of God has word of God. The purpose of the word of God is to generate faith. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. If you have heard the word of God, it has not generated faith. You haven't really heard. It has to generate faith. And faith builds a family. Faith holds a family. Faith holds a church together. And it doesn't matter what calamities comes. Pestilences, earthquakes, famine. If you look at the news all around the world, it's one calamity of another. We thought rains were over. And yesterday the whole city was waterlogged. Kerala five districts are underwater. Everywhere it is happening. All around the world it's happening. But God said these things will happen. It's only the beginning of sorrows. But he says, you are going to face even more, he told his disciples. But he says, when these things happen, how should you be? Lift up your heads. Lift. You need to have faith. You need to have living faith to lift up your heads because you look at the signs and you say, my savior is coming for me. He's coming for me. Lift up your heads. Why? Because your redemption is near. Your redemption is near. So last time we talked about the church. Today I want to talk about the home. Because both go together. What are you? Group of individuals or a set of homes. Okay, take the individual from the home and the home out. There's no church. There's no church. Okay, so today, it's interesting we had a uh, uh, baby dedication. I want to, and it's also interesting that we don't have the teen class. I want to talk to the young ones, to the parents and to the children. First thing about children, Psalm, at home, Psalm 127 verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Forget it. Forget it. If God doesn't build your home and my home, it's worth nothing. On the day of judgment, fire will consume everything. You want it to last? Don't look at prosperity and all those things. Don't look at success in the world. One of the most successful men in the book of Genesis was a man called Lot. He was prosperous. He was rich beyond means, sitting at the gate as an elder of the city. But when the day of judgment came, he lost everything. He lost his wife and he lost his two daughters to debauchery. He lost everything. Success means nothing on the day of judgment unless the Lord has built your home. That's what the Bible says. 
Unless the Lord builds the house, the labor in vain who build it. So you want to build your home? Get God involved. Get God involved. That's what it says. Noah built an ark for the saving of his family with godly fear. All the other families and their construction work, their exploits, everything was underwater. One man and his home went higher and higher. As judgment is pouring down on earth, all the homes are being judged and submerged. All lives are being destroyed. One home is going higher and higher and higher. You know why? Because the Lord built his home. Lord told him how to build it. And he built it according to God's word. And therefore, it survived judgment. Understand the value of your life and your home. Unless the Lord builds, it will fall apart. Unless the Lord builds, your marriages will fall apart. And if it stays together because of convention, it is too bad. Two single people living under one roof, there is no real marriage. They are never one. They are always two. In conflict and in anger and jealousy and envy and discord and lack of peace. But stay together because of convention. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the two shall be one. The two shall be one. The church and Christ are one. The home and the church. The church cannot be separate from Christ because Christ will not be separate from. He left his father to become one with the church. He's the one who showed us the way. He left his father. When he said man shall live his father and mother, he left the father. He left his heavenly abode so that he could be one day one with the church. In the same way, please understand, the purpose of marriage is that oneness would come. And out of that oneness, the purposes of God would flow. And then, Psalm 27, verse 3. In that home, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of a womb is a reward. Your children may give you trouble, but your children is your most prized, precious possession. Because they are from God. If there is anything that you received from God on earth, it's your salvation and your children. Most prized, treasured possession are your children. And always look at them that way. They are precious. They are precious. They are prized. So the question is, If they are so precious and they are so priced, do we train our children? Do we teach our children? Because if we don't teach our children, the world will. Their friends will. Their company will. Do we teach our children about God first? The first five years, the first six years, the first seven years, which made Samuel Samuel. Samuel was an extraordinary man in the old covenant. He was judge. He was king. He was priest. He was prophet, judge, and uh, priest. Only one man other than Jesus who fulfilled these three roles. Until he died, he was judge of Israel. Until he died, he was priest of Israel. Until he died, he was prophet of Israel. Who else do you know in the Bible who fulfills these three roles? Jesus Christ. He's king, he's priest, and he's a prophet. Why did he become that? Because in the first formative years of his life, his mother poured out her knowledge of God into his life. And he became that man of God. That's why he told her husband, I'm not bringing him. I made a vow. I made a vow. In English, we say, in American English, we say, put your money where your mouth is. She said, I made a vow. And when I dedicate this boy to the Lord, I would have fulfilled my vow that he is ready to serve the Lord. 
and he will not turn to the left or to the right. Until then, I'm not coming. I just did not make a statement. He said, you know what? When I go to the Lord and dedicate this boy, I'm giving him over. He'll be fit to serve the Lord. And the word of God says in 1 Samuel 3, 1, Samuel served the Lord before Eli. When the high priest's own sons had gone wonky, this little boy is serving. You know why? Because it was a successful parenting of passing on the principles of the word of God, the kingdom of God, the person of God into a little boy. And the word of God says, Samuel had not heard from the Lord. He had only heard from his mother and seen from the priest. That's all. The influence of a godly father or a godly mother. A father or a mother who walks with God, who hears from God, who knows God. The influence that passes on to a child. That is your greatest legacy you can pass on. Everything else is okay for this world. But nothing of that matters in eternity. You have to think always in eternity. What will you take over into eternity? It's faith. That's what Paul is telling about Timothy. The faith that was in your... His father is Greek. Not interested. But your grandmother, your mother... The faith that was in your grandmother. The faith that was in your. You know, by the time Paul reaches Timothy's town, which was at Ephesus or Philippi. Yeah, Ephesus. Yeah, when he reaches Ephesus, Timothy is already a disciple. If there is one person whom Paul does not have to bring to the Lord and train him, it's Timothy because his mother has taught him. Lystra, Derby. Already done the work. Can you imagine how simple our work will be when all the little ones already have been framed in the word of God by the parents and they come here, they're ready for the meat of the word. Here we have to put everything into the mix, see the milk, the meat, the vegetables, make it as soft as possible and they're gurgling. Why? You're not doing your homework. Not doing your homework. What can be done at home can be only done at home. What can be done at church can be only done at church. There is a place for the word of God. The home should be around the word of God. That's why the Bible says always, do not be yoked with unbelievers. Because your home will crash. One thing it will stay out of your home is the word of God won't be there in your home. Then what doctrine do you have? What fellowship do you have? False fellowship. What judgment do you have? False judgment. What prayer do you have? No prayer. What do you have? Doctrine, fellowship, judgment, prayer. That's how the church began in Acts chapter 2, 42. But if you're yoked with an unbeliever, what do you have? Nothing. A shell. Shell. That's why we have to be careful about this, these things. Because God is coming back for his wife, for his betrothed. So the question is, most in the world, especially now in the Western Christian world, non-Christian world, we leave them alone, have yielded to the humanistic approach of education. Humanism is the ruling doctrine in the world. So we have given our education the place of God. And our children are being brought up in the humanistic pattern. Parents have yielded authority to the society, to the government. You look at what is happening in U.S., you will see it happening around the world. The U.S. falls, the rest of the world falls. I'm talking about spiritual. Do you know there is something called CRT, critical race theory, which is being forcibly being brought into the curriculum. The parents are against it. 
The critical race theory basically says the white man is a reason for all the trouble and all the children are white. So they are being taught from right to hate themselves. That you are the cause of the trouble in this world. You know what's the agenda behind it? Because the gospel went to the rest of the world through the white man and not through other men. So you have to, it's, it's an agenda of the Antichrist. So you know what's happening? The parents in all the school board meetings, the parents are standing up and fighting it. And do you know what the Attorney General said? He sent a letter to the FBI, to the Justice Department, to treat those parents as domestic terrorists. You know what they're saying? Your children do not belong to you. They belong to us. We will tell them what to learn. What to think. That's what happens in China. It's happening in so-called Christian America. It's coming here too. How does a child outgrow this and fight this in the first five years of his life before he goes to school? You have five years. Right to education is part of our constitution now. Your child has to go to school. But only after five or after six. You've got six years. You've got six years before the child goes to school. In those six years, he can be nursed like Josebed nursed Moses. Pharaoh's daughter said, take him, nurse him, I'll pay you for it, and then return it. When the time of weaning was over, Josebed gave the child back. The Bible says, when he came of age, what was in his heart and his mind, the touch, was not the wisdom of Egypt. Though the word of God, he was learned in all the wisdom of Egypt, Acts 7.22, and was mighty in words and deeds. What came is that was the word of God his mother had installed 35 years later. And he made three choices. He said no to honor. I'm not the Pharaoh's daughter. Can you say no to honor? The biggest problem of people on earth is they all want honor. Honor from man. If you don't honor me, I will get mad. I will not do anything. He said no to honor. Honor of being the Pharaoh's son. The biggest king on earth. He said no to honor. He said no to pleasure of sin. What is the fundamental issues with children? They are slaves of pleasure. He said no to pleasure. And three, he said no to the treasures of Egypt. He said no to money. Money runs this world. He said no to three things. Because his mother had put something into him. 35 years earlier. The power. You got six years for your children. What is in your heart? Will your children be able to take a decision when that day and that hour come? When he came of age. When our children come of age, what will they decide? Today let us look at a child. The child of all children. The only child. The only begotten child. We look at him. And we'll say, what is there to look at him? There's hardly anything mentioned about it. Really? You look in the word of God, there's enough to teach you about what he was before teen and after teen. Pre-teen and pre-teen. That's the two groups of children sitting here. Isaiah 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. So a child is born. And to us he was given. Usually that is not. Tabitha and uh, Roshan will dedicate the baby and take him back. He will say, I am not giving it to you, pastor. Give it, it's unto us. But it's a different child. This child was given to us. This child was given to us. And this child is the way. So if you are a child, teenager, or preteen, look at this child. Look at how he grew. How he became. What he became, the savior of the world. How he became 
the man after God's own heart. How we became and modeled before us what a man should be by faith. Look at him. Isaiah 7 verse 14 and 15. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel. What's his name? Emmanuel. Curds and honey he shall eat. That he may know to refuse evil and choose good. Curds and honey. Your life, all of us, whether you are young or not, all of us children, when you are growing up, every one of you growing, have two kinds of experiences in it. It is called, you get in packets also outside in the supermarket, it's called sweet and sour. You have sour experiences in life and you have sweet experiences in life. And he was spiritually fed with his two experiences. And when he was a young little boy, he chose, he knew how to choose good and say no to evil. Question, do you know how to choose good and say no to evil? He knew. He may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. He learned. The father did not send him any special. He says, you are my son, divine, but born of Mary in the flesh. You will grow up like any other child. And you will learn to choose so that you become the way. Otherwise, he is not the way. How can he become the way when he is different from all of us? How can he show us the way? He says, I am the way. And Peter will say, he showed us the way in which we should follow. And our children can follow this way. So that they learn very early how to make choices. To choose good and say no to evil. And Moses, when he became of age, said yes to a few things you heard last week. The four choices Moses made. And said no to certain things. And yes to a certain things. Where did Jesus? Jesus grew up the same way. Learned the same way. Proverbs 22 and verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old. Will not. It's a word of God. It's a promise. He will not. Will not. That should give you a lot of hope. You know what? Lord if I do my part. I can stand on your word. He will not. He will not. She will not. He will not. She will not. I have the backing of the king of kings and the lord of lords, the word of God. He, she will not. All I have to do is my part. You will do your part because you are faithful. I can only do to the best I can. I am not a perfect, there's no perfect father except the heavenly father. There's no perfect mother except the Holy Spirit. There are no perfect fathers and boys. You have to do your best. And don't compare yourself with anybody. Learn from everybody. But do your best. That's all God is asking. I will do the rest. He will do the rest. So that you would know how to refuse evil and choose the good. Luke 2, verses 40 to 42. And the child grew. All of our children are growing. Our children are growing, you know. How many babies? <laughs> How many babies? We have dedicated over the years. Especially the first baby I dedicated in Hyderabad was David's son, Isaac. Now you look at him. He's a small giant, right? Look at the babies. Are they all growing? They're all growing. All of our babies are growing. Look at Rima, she's grown. Look at uh, uh, Gracie, she's grown. Look at the pictures of the twins that are coming in. Albert's little ones, they're all growing. But that's not the point. He grew and became strong in the spirit. That's the key. Our children should grow physically. Thank you, Lord. They're growing well. 
they are being well fed they are growing very well they are becoming chubbier and chubbier by the day but are they growing in the spirit ajay are you growing in the spirit ajay are you there sure okay look at the speaker that's what i have taught you in a classroom look at the speaker okay don't look here and there okay young people you are talking to teenagers okay growing in the spirit and filled with wisdom and the grace of god was upon him oh if it is written about one of our children he grew she grew and strong in the spirit strong in the spirit they are not shaken easily when trouble comes their way they have been trained well they are not afraid they pray you are afraid they are not afraid they will say daddy mommy let's pray they are strong in the spirit not shaken not moved why because they have been trained well strong in the spirit filled with the wisdom of god and the grace of god is upon them this should be your prayer as a parent lord let my child grow as you grow you know about who else this is written about samuel ordinary child samuel extraordinary child jesus almost identical words are written identical words written the son of god the son of hannah identical words written that your children can be somebody god can use one day and then his parents went to jerusalem every year at the feast of passover and when he was 12 years old they went up to jerusalem according to the custom of the feast so we have closing age of preteens next year jesus will be 30 this year he is still 12 okay so there are children between these two groups either 13 right yeah she is 13 abigail is 10 so you have a preteen and a teenager right behind each other 10 and 30 think about it he's learning to he's learning he was filled with wisdom the bible says he was filled with wisdom let me ask you this question proverbs 9:10 explain scripture with scripture the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom if he's filled with the wisdom can he be filled without the fear of the lord you know why our children struggle we struggle there's no fear of the lord there's no fear of the lord those who have the fear of the lord they are wise they hear from god they have discernment they make their choices according to god's voice you know why because they fear god they fear god they fear god jesus is filled with the wisdom because the fear of the lord is the what did isaiah 11:3 say he delighted jesus who delighted in the fear of the lord that's what isaiah says he will delight in the fear of the lord and as a result what did the father do filled him with wisdom we don't have wisdom we have knowledge knowledge you don't need anything today all you need is a phone and the internet connection google will answer almost every question but wisdom of god does not come from google knowledge is the easiest commodity today on earth it's very easy to answer any question ask google how many answers do you want you're full of answers now you have to pick and choose from the answers wisdom doorway is the fear of the lord the bible says jesus delighted in the fear of the lord fear of the lord let our children learn the fear of the lord fear of the lord and the grace of god was upon him 
Romans 8.29 For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Everybody who's in God's book of life, he's got one agenda. You will conform to the image of my son. So if your child's name is in the book of life, your child has to conform to the image of Jesus at 12. Otherwise, you will have to make up exams. He will be running behind time. The image given over there, the picture given over there about Jesus, it's primarily a joint effort. Ephesians 6.4 And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. The training part, the training, disciplining training part is given to the father. The rearing part, there's a different thing. The rearing part, which is more powerful than the training part. The rearing is more powerful. Training is, you come back home and the mother says, Tommy didn't listen. Come here. Why didn't you listen? Spank him. That's the training part. What did your mother say? This. Didn't I also tell you the same thing? Why do you think you can disobey because I am not there? The words were the same, right? So whether I say or somebody else says it, your mother says it should be the same thing, right? That's the training, disciplining part. The rearing part is more difficult. First Timothy chapter 2. And verse 12 to 15. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing. That does not mean she'll be saved when she, because she delivers baby. That's not what it means. The motherhood will change her. Her sanctification process is through motherhood. If she is saved, she will be sanctified as she rears her children because the children are with her most of the time. Let me ask you about this question. Uh, Moses' father's name is Amram. His mother's name is Joshua. Amram is a slave. That means he probably works six days a week or he probably works seven days a week because he has no will or he cannot make decisions on his own. His body belongs to the Pharaoh. He's a slave. That means from morning till night he is out. Who is influencing Moses? Amram or Joshua? Joshebeth. It's not Amram. It's Joshebeth. Whose children actually grow up with the mothers. They don't grow with the fathers. Because the fathers are usually out until after the second world war, women went to work. Women were at home. The children, the first five, six years of their life, the, the, the defining influence on their life was the mother. So the discipline of, is with the father. Rearing is with the mother. Rearing is with the mother. You don't have a Charles Wesley and a John Wesley if there is no Susanna Wesley. Does anybody know John Wesley's father's name? How come you do not know his name? Because the influence over John Wesley and Charles Wesley was his mother, Susanna Wesley. 18 children or 19 children, I don't know how many. In a small little pokey little house. A woman of prayer who reared up two of those mighty men of God. Whose name is all over this city also. Wesley Church, Wesley Church, Wesley Church. Where did those names come? Because there was a Susanna Wesley. She did not even have a place to sit alone and pray. And she was a praying woman. But the children knew. When Susanna Wesley put her apron over her head, they knew mom was talking to God. And it is written, they tiptoed around her so they would not disturb her because mom is in communion with God. That is what John saw. That is what Charles Wesley saw. And that is what changed their lives and they became men of God. What do your children see? What do your children see? Gossiping? Before the TV? On the phone 24-7? 
What do your children see? What is the defining influence in their lives? Because the days are evil. The Bible says, we looked at it yesterday. Be careful how you walk. Walk wisely. Walk circumspectly. Redeem the time. Because the days are evil. Walk knowing, understanding the will of God. What is the will of God for your life? What is the will of God for your children? Do you know? Rebecca had twins. And she did not know it was twins. There was a huge issue going in her in her womb. So she went to the Lord and asked, Lord, what is happening? The Lord said, you have two nations in your womb. And the elder shall serve the younger. I have chosen the younger. The Bible says after the children are born, she kept Jacob with him because she knows from God, this is the son chosen by God. This is the boy with destiny. The mother heard, not the father. The mother heard. The father prayed for 20 years for that his wife would conceive. But after she conceived, the mother prayed for the destiny of her children. That's how you work together. Work together. Instead our eyes and minds are caught up in the world which is hurtling towards destruction. God has said it will all burn up like a scroll. You can't even pick the ashes because when God burns, nothing will be there. Not even ashes. Nothing. It will be vaporized. Nothing will be left. What are we building our children and our homes too? Parents have to make up their minds on certain things. You need to decide what is the most valuable possession God has given you. That's we had a baby dedication today. The parents, the grandparents, the children will grow up. You will never stop praying for them. You never stop praying for them. You never stop. You are believing. He's growing. He's growing. He's growing. Lord, I don't know. um, Hannah saw Samuel only once a year. But every year when she came, she stitched a ford and brought it for him. In her mind, she knew this is how much he would have grown. She did not give him a designer suit with tie and all. She brought an effort. What is an effort used for? To serve before the Lord. Serve before the Lord. That's what she brought. My son has grown one more year. One son. You know what? My son has to serve the Lord. One, my son has to serve the Lord. And every time I visit him, I will bring him something that will be useful for him to serve my God. Not gadgets. Not toys. Something the child can use to grow closer to God. That's why the Bible says he served before the Lord wearing an afford. 241, 42, 43. Could one of you come and just pour it for me? His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. Go back to verse 1, 41. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. Something is being told over there. The Jewish tradition. Let me ask you this question. In our, in our culture, we are not Jewish. We are the church, the bride of Christ. So church is different from the Jewish law. 
simple question here is about the parents. The parents attended church without fail. And Jesus was with his parents. Settle that issue now. That you will attend church without fail. And your children will be with you. Settle those issues now. It's not when I feel like. The closest one to my house. It is raining. I'll go next week. No. COVID restrictions are over. Be physically present. We came through COVID. Nobody fell ill. Nobody died. Not even our most vulnerable ones died. The handicapped children. With cerebral palsy. Nobody died. Nobody died. Nobody fell ill. Everybody is safe. Make these decisions early. I will be in the house of God. Hebrews talks about Jerusalem being the church. I will be in Jerusalem at the appointed times without fail. And my children will be with me. By the time a child is 12 years old, it should be settled in his mind. There's no negotiation about going to church. It's a settled issue. It should be a settled issue. To worship God is a settled issue. It's a testimony. It's a testimony. When the church began in Jerusalem, they had no place to gather. So they gathered in the temple courts. And suddenly it was a test, wildfire. The Jews gathered three times a year, once a week. And here is a new people, set of people called the people of the way, gathering seven days a week. When the lights of the church or the church office are off, on, and there is worship and singing, come and preaching, going out, it's a testimony to the Gentiles. And the lukewarm Christians that we gather every day. Because the house of God is like my home. If I go home every day, if the house of God is open, I go to my house of God every day. It's a settled issue. Settle these issues now as parents. So that it will be settled and fixed in the hearts of your children. By the time they are 12 years old. It's non-negotiable issues. That's why I'm proud of my young people when they go abroad and they go to places. The first question almost everyone asks is, Pastor, I'm going to this city. Would you please find a church for me? Not a house. Not a rental place. Nothing. And they even decide where to stay depending upon the location of a believing church and not the location of their office because these things were settled in their hearts before they left. Settle these things in your heart. Settle. Because only in the house of God you will learn the will of God. Where else will you know the will of God? Many will come to me that day saying, Lord, Lord. He said, no. Only those who do the will of God will enter the kingdom of God. Do you know the will of God if you don't go to the house of God where the word of God is lifted up and magnified? It's not a 10 minute sermon and go. Where the word is taught and reiterated over and over and exalted and magnified so that you know the will of God by the time you are 12 years old. Think, think, think. Because nowhere else will you share the common life of Christ through the word, through the spirit than in the church. And teach them to be in church before time. Teach them to be in church 
before time. Because first is God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. If you teach them to be in church before time, tomorrow at 6, they will be in school before time. And day after tomorrow at 22, they will be in office before time. Because they learned it in church, not in school. Don't come after time. Come before time. Because God deserves that honor. God deserves not your company tomorrow. Of course you'll be all in your company before time tomorrow. Because when you punch your card, it will be shown. Whether you log on the internet, they will know what time you logged in. But here is he who says, if two or three gather in my name, I will be in your midst. Be there before the king of kings and the lord of lords comes. Because we told him we gather at 9, not at 9.15, not at 9.30. We said, Lord, we gather at 9. He says, I'll be there at 9. Come before the king. Teach them. So they take these lessons in life. Take these lessons in life. Because by 12 years, should be a settled matter. Verse 43. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. The fathers and the mother finished the festival. The boy did not go. If any place your child lingers, it should be in the house of God. Joshua lingered in the tabernacle after Moses left. Nobody knew Joshua. Nobody thought about Joshua. But God saw this one young man in that multitude of 600,000 that came out of Egypt. Lingering in my presence. You know what? I know Moses will fail. He knows it all. But he will lead Israel. You know why? Because this is a man who lingers in my presence. Oh, are you the one when the angel is trying to drag you out of judgment? Lot lingered. He lingered in the world. You linger in the bar. You linger in the pub. You linger in the clubhouse. You linger in the football shop. But you don't linger in the house of God. He lingered in the world, Lord. His wife looked back and his children sold out to Sodom. God could destroy Sodom, God, and make into ashes, but it lived well in Lord's daughter's mind because the father lingered. The father lingered. The word of God says the boy Jesus lingered in his father's house at the age of 12. Do you linger? Or do you go to play Dasara on a Friday when the church is working? Do you go out with your friends for Dasara when the church is meeting on a Friday? Which was more important to you? You're making choices which doesn't affect us, which affects you. Affects you. Because there is a God, the word of God says, eyes are roving left and all over the world to find one person whose heart is stayed on him. Heart is stayed on him. Friday was the holiday. Church still gathers. You were not listening online. You are out with your friends celebrating Dasara. You know who I am talking about. Because if you haven't gone, you don't have to feel bad. He had settled this by the age of 12. Verse 44 to 46. But supposing him to have been in company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. But when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. 
So it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. By the time you're 12 years old, by the time young parents, your children are 12 years old, settle the issue of honor. You know what honor is? You listen, you don't speak. Children should be taught to listen and not to speak. The first introduction of Jesus is his listening. It's not speaking. Our children speak. They want us to listen to them. The son of God is listening, not speaking. What's the complaint of all the children today? You never listen. Who told you we should listen to you? Who told you we should listen to you? You are told to listen to us. Do you have words of wisdom? Or stories of the world? Do you have spirit? Or do you have flesh? Should spirit listen to flesh? Or flesh listen to spirit? First settle the issue of honor. The son of God sitting in the temple is not giving a big discourse. He's listening because he knows he's 12. And I will be in my appointed place. At the age of 12, my job is to listen. Not to talk. It's not to talk. It's not to speak. It's to listen. Settle these issues now. Teach your children now. We have got so many small children. The word of God says in the book of Daniel, they they who know the Lord shall do great exploits. And I have this faith in my heart. You bring up your children that way. We do the rest of the work. Our little ones will grow up and become mighty in this last generation. Teach them to listen. 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 There's a time to speak. There's a time not to speak. Settle the issue of honor. There's a father. I heard, I heard a story about a father. He's a pastor, old pastor. I think he passed away. I'm not sure. He said when he was growing up, he had these three sisters and he, uh, his father. Those were typical Christian homes. They said they were in a neighbor's house and the children were all ploying. And his sister's name, I forgot, Ruth or something. Let's say Ruth. Okay? So the children were all playing loudly. And the father said, Ruth, sit down. They were playing and Ruth immediately sat down. She didn't even look for a chair. Just sat down. She had been taught to listen. Because if you teach them to listen now, tomorrow might be a day at the midnight hour when you are absolutely drowsy and sleepy. The voice of the Lord comes like a whisper calling you, Samuel, Samuel, and you will rise and go without knowing it's God who is calling you. Because you have been taught to listen. Not to speak, but to listen. That's what changed Samuel's life. Because he had been taught to listen. That's honor. Teach. Understand spiritual authority. Know who spiritual authority is in your life. And listen. Don't try to give them a lecture. Listen to them. You will learn well. When we meet senior pastors and all, much, much senior than us, we don't speak a word. We don't speak a word. We listen. Because we know if you listen, we will receive much. Because they have a wealth of experience of walking with God. Walking with God. We listen. Learn to listen. 
teach the little ones to listen, to obey. And parents, dad and mom, please don't fight in your homes. What happens is children lose respect and they won't listen. They won't listen. Don't fight. Let your home be a peaceful place. We can have, we can have issues. We can have difference of opinions. One thing we do not do is we do not fight. Because we are all on the same road. Co-heads of grace, of salvation, is what Peter says. Husbands, treat your wives with honor as a weaker vessel. Why? Because she is a co-head. You are on the same road. You are not on two different roads. You are on the same road, same will, same purpose. You don't have two different purposes. So don't have conflict before the children. Don't be like a cat and mouse in the house. Because you know what? The children will not listen. Because the wife is fighting with the husband. And the husband is shouting at the wife. The wife is shouting at the husband. If the mother doesn't listen to the father, why should I listen? The father is shouting because he's not listening from God. If you don't listen to God, why should I listen to God? They won't say it, but they're thinking it. Don't fight. Don't fight. Don't put a stumbling block before your children. Resolve your issues behind closed doors and walk together with God. Because most issues are stupid over which people fight. And they fight because they are not growing spiritually. They are not going in the same direction. They don't have the will and the purpose of God in their hearts. If you have the will and the purpose of God in their hearts, every issue is resolved. You go to the military regiment. I have been there with them, ministered with them. You have to see Tamil from Tamil Nadu, from Kerala, from Jat regiment, all together in one. But they have one purpose. So they live together, they eat together, and they die together. United by one purpose. Mera, Bharat, Mahan. And if my Bharat remains Mahan, we make it Mahan. Why? We have been called to defend the honor of our nation. So it doesn't matter which part, which language, which culture. We are one. One slogan for the regiment. One flag for the regiment. We walk under one flag, under one slogan. United because of purpose. Families fight because there is no united purpose. Find purpose. Find the will of God and walk together. And all the issues will be settled. You will have issues because that's the process of two sharp stones becoming one. The edges have to wear off. But it will only wear off through the word of God and the spirit of God. Verse 46. Sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking. That is called learning, not mugging. You know what learning is? Listening and asking questions. Today you have Google, which is good. Because you listen to the class, you ask questions. This is what the teacher said. This is what pastor said today. You know what? I have a few questions. Let me type it out. That is called learning. You listen and you ask questions. You listen and you ask God. That is the learning process. Why are people so terrible today in their workplaces? Normally, not normally, generally speaking. You know why? Because they mugged and passed exams. And another batch is coming in another five years, the COVID pass. 
They never studied, they just passed. But you have listened and asked questions. You know what, when you get into your workplace, you know what to do. Because you learned. You didn't pass an exam. You learned. Learned. That's verse 46. Learning. That is the right format. Meaning, let your children learn. When you have fellowship over the supper table, talk. Talk. Talk Bible stories. Talk about kingdom issues. You can talk worldly issues with the kingdom perspective. And they will ask questions. They will listen and they will ask questions and answer them. Before they get the wrong information from the world. Answer them. Speak to them. Verse 47. And all who heard him was astonished at his understanding and answers. He also spoke at the end. And they were shocked. Today we flatter our children for worldly accomplishments. Right? All the medals hung is there. Worldly accomplishments. How many children do we have who can stun us with a spiritual understanding? The word of the Lord came to Samuel. And from Samuel, the word of the Lord went to all Israel. Who? Samuel. Can our children stun us? Sometimes they can. They have perception. And they have innocence. That's what the Bible says. Let them be innocent of evil. Excellent in good. They will hear clearly. Hearts are pure. Keep it that way. They will hear very clearly. Jesus' heart is pure. Hears very clearly. And this old shaggy head. Levites and teachers and always stunned at his understanding of scripture. He asked questions. They gave an answer. And he must have said very respectfully. But Rabbi, don't you think this is what it means? 46 years meditating on the Torah. I never saw it. If our children are flattered. Let them be flattered for their spiritual understanding. Early accomplishments. It's good. But it's going nowhere. Verse 48, 49, 50. The parents came back. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And the mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Read verse 49 once again. At the age of 12, Jesus had already settled this issue. I know what my father's business is. If you rightfully bring your children in the admonition of the Lord, protect them from the evil of the Lord, bring them up with spiritual understanding by the age they are 12, they will know what the will of God is for them. You don't have to worry anymore. They know their direction. At 12, Jesus knew what his father's will was for him. Because he is the image to which we have to conform. He knew by 12. 
Before teens was over, you will know. You don't have to wait till teens are over. By 17, Joseph knew what his God's purpose was for. By 16 or 17, David knew he was anointed to rule. They were all teenagers. They knew the will of God. And the son of God knew by 12 what his father's business was. By 12, it should be settled by now. I know. He's not playing random. Maybe I will do this. Maybe I will do that. Maybe I will go further. No, I know what my God wants me to do. It's clear. That's life's biggest issue. The two important questions in life, which is found in Acts chapter 9, when Jesus meets Paul. What is the first question? Who are you? Second question, what do you want me to do? Two important. First question, who are you? Jesus of Nazareth. Second question, what do you want me to do? He's also a young man. Who are you? Jesus has the answer. Who are you? My father. Not you. My father. His father may have wanted him to become a carpenter. That's good, dad. I will be a good carpenter. But that's not my father's will for me. When the day and the hour comes when father says move, I will leave. Because I know my father's will. He knew. First question, who are you? My father. Second, what do you want me to do? I know. What I have to do. Settle these issues. For God has a specific assignment for every child of his. But you will never find it until you settle some other issues in life. And we looked at them. Those issues have to be settled. And above all, the primacy of the word of God has to be settled in your life. The fear of God has to be settled in your life. The church as the center of your social life has to be settled in your life. And obedience and honor has to be settled in your life. Luke 2 and verse 51. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. He was subject to them. You know what it means? He had already settled the issue of authority. He had already settled by the age of 12 the issue of authority. I am 12. I am the son of God. I created everything. My father said, be subject to them. They don't know even what you are speaking. Irrelevant. Be subject to authority. These issues have to be settled. Because if your children are settled on this issue of authority, you won't get reports from school every day or every week. This fellow is creating trouble because the issue was settled at home. Therefore, he settled at school. Five years later, ten years later, you won't get a report from the police. Look at It's a tragic story of Aryan Khan. It's, just, it's tragic. It's heartbreaking because there's politics in it. But look at that young man. Look at that young man. What is that he doesn't lack? How many days in jail now? How many days in jail now? These issues have to be settled. At the age of 12, it is settled. It doesn't matter who I am. I know who I am. But I also know my place. I am 12. 
If dad says sit, I sit. If he says stand, I stand. If he says you are not going out, you are not going out. You know what children do? They know who to ask who will give them permission. And when they are asked, they will say, that one told me I can go. And why didn't you ask the others? Because I know they will not let me go. The issue of authority isn't settled. That was a prodigal son's problem. His problem was the issue of authority was never settled in his life. So one day when he got it, he packed up and he left. And he reached the pig pen. That is when he came to senses. He realized the issue is with authority. Let me get back and go back to my father's house and come under him. And things will start falling into place. Subject. Everyone is under someone. Everyone. Everyone is under someone. The father submits to the son. The son submits to the father. The spirit submits to the father and the son. They work under the principle of submission. You believe the father does not submit to the son? Read Hebrews chapter 1. He said to the son, my God, the father is calling the son, my God, your throne shall last forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is the scepter of righteousness. Who is saying to who? The father to the son and submitted to the scepter. Your righteousness is my righteousness. My righteousness is your righteousness. I submit your righteousness. You submit your righteousness. We work in the trinity based on authority. Be subject. Everybody is under somebody. If you are not under somebody, then you have the spirit of Cain, the wanderer till death. I will be under nobody. You cannot be under nobody. Be subject. By 12, Jesus had settled the issue of subjection. I am under. I am under. And he stayed under for 30 years. Till the age of 30. At 30, the father told him, son, time to go. Where, Lord? First get baptized. Me baptized? No questions asked. John asked, why should you get baptized? I should get baptized. He said, no. Let righteousness be fulfilled. What is righteousness? There's a righteousness that comes from God that is outside of the law. That is by faith. There's a righteousness that comes by faith and faith alone. And faith comes from? So how is righteousness filled? Because father said, son, go get baptized. That's all. But John said, no, you should be baptizing me. He said, no, you baptize me because let righteousness be fulfilled. How is righteousness fulfilled? The father told me. And by the way, Jesus, uh, where are you coming from? Oh, I am coming from Nazareth. And where are you getting baptized? In Galilee. How long have you been walking? For 70 miles. For what? For getting baptized. The people 70 years haven't still got taken the believer's baptism. He walked 70 miles to get baptized. Why? Because the father told me. I know authority. Subject. Authority at home. Authority at your school, college. Authority at public places. When the traffic light goes yellow, slow down. Don't be a daredevil. The devil will take you one day. Learn. The light means something. The man in that white uniform means something. Learn. Learn to respect uniform. Do they respect Respect them. Why? It re- they represent authority. All power and authority in heaven and earth is given unto me, said Jesus. So who has authority? Even the traffic policeman, when he raises and he's standing there by the authority of Jesus Christ. 
Understand? Otherwise that verse has no meaning because he said, all authority on heaven and earth is given unto me. So he's standing there by the authority of Jesus Christ. Why? If Jesus Christ now tells that traffic policeman, drop dead, he will drop dead. He's standing there by the authority of his word. Because the word of God says everything is held together by the word of his power. So obey authority. Settle the issues of authority at home. Settle the issues of authority at your studying places. Settle the authorities when you step out into the public places. Settle the authority in your workplace. Settle the authority in the church. Settle these issues. By 12, Jesus had settled it all. Have you settled? You're young. It's a good time to start. Very good time to start. Those who start young, finish well. Finish well. Luke 2, verse 52. Oh, I moved it a little. Yeah. Gives me a drink break. The result of all these issues that is settled in Jesus' life. What is the result of it? He grew in stature. He increased in wisdom. First thing he increased in? Wisdom. You know, earlier, verse 40 said, when he was a child, he was filled with wisdom. That doesn't mean you're filled with wisdom, but the problem is the vessel is growing. So he's increasing in wisdom. Increasing in wisdom. Remember, it's increasing in wisdom, not knowledge. It's increasing in wisdom. Two, in stature. What does that mean? He's growing physically. See that your children eat healthy, so they grow physically. Not junk. Bunk junk. Eat healthy. You go to Japan today. And go to Japan 50, 60 years ago. What's the difference? 60 years ago, Japanese were all 5 foot nothing. You go to Japan today, they're 6 feet plus. What happened? The Americans. After the Second World War, General Douglas MacArthur ruled Japan for two years. He brought all American things over there. Diet changed. They went on high protein beef diet. And now they're all 6 feet plus. Let them grow well. Because you do not know when they grow up one day what they may have to carry. He grew in stature because his father knew he had to be beaten black and blue, his back broken and carry the cross. So he was good enough to carry it. You do not know what your children may have to bear. You do not know what workplace they may have to go. Many years ago, I had one uh, gentleman I had met in the airport. We were ministering together in Nepal. And we, had, we were at Siliguri. And he, he said, James, I'll meet you at Siliguri. I said, okay, Jim, I'll meet you over there. And he said, James, what do you need? You want AC or non-AC? I said, I'm good, I'm cool, anything will do. He said, I never need AC, I'm non-AC. So we were there in the same room. And I asked him, how come you, you're, from, you're from Woodstock, border to Niagara Falls on the Canadian side. I said, how come you don't need AC? And you're in India. He said, James, before I came in the ministry, I worked in the furnace. I worked in the furnace. And this is cool for me. That's what Paul tells Timothy. End your hardship has discipline. End your hardship has discipline. 
Doesn't matter how your lifestyle changes. Doesn't life not lifestyle. Your monetary balance keeps on increasing. Don't radically change your lifestyle. Go for some comfort. That's fine. But don't be too comfortable. Because God may not be able to use you for many things. I have told you many times, but I still remember that man of God was standing with him. And I was being very pious, old man of God, senior man of God who had suffered for the Lord. And I told him, sir, you know what, you know what, sir? Um, I asked only one thing when I surrendered my life for ministry. I said, Lord, from the time I was born, we always lived in government quarters. We had running water. We had toilets. We had everything. The only thing I ask you is, Lord, I will go anywhere where you send in whatever situation. Just see that it has the toilet. And I thought I was being so pious. He looked me in the eyes and he looked at and said, James, when you made that request, you took half the world out of your mission field because half the world does not have access to a toilet. You want to change your prayer? I said, I want to. I want to change my prayer. I don't want to minister to half the world. The people who have access to toilet and electricity and running water also send me to places where people have no access to these places. And I have been to those places. Walked the mountains, days and hours, cross rivers and gone on tractors and back of bikes and to reach at people, left and slept on platforms in the night and, and on sitting on newspaper, This not for a job, for the mission. You know why? Because I changed my prayer. I will not take anything that you have for me, Lord. I will end your hardship. He grew in stature because he had to bear a cross. Don't mollycoddle your children. Don't make them soft. Don't make them soft. Let them be hard. Let them be tough. Let them not be nasty. Let them be hard. Let them be tough. Because you do not know where your child may be called. May be called. Should be able to live anywhere. Go through India. Go through the places in Assam and all these places, remote places. Every place you will see a tombstone of a missionary who came hundreds of years ago from US or UK. They left their comfort. And they came and died among us. Even today you go to those places, they do not have modern conveniences. 100 years ago, 200 years ago, what convenience was there? But they obeyed the call of God and they answered. And they lived among us and they died among us. And the gospel reached us. Never forget the supply chain. Never forget how the gospel reached you and me. Do not ever forget. And you and I may be called to be part of that chain. So endure. Grow in stature. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong. Don't be weak. Especially in your mind. Be strong. Arm yourself with this mind. Is what Peter says in First Peter 4.1. That mind that can endure. When trouble comes your way. You are not broken down. You are not beaten down. Because you are already prepared yourself for that. Till today. Once a day. I still sleep on the floor. Why? Because I do not want to get used to comfort. Because you do not know where God may send you. You never know. Because you gave your body over to the Lord as a living sacrifice to be used for his will and your glory. The rewards are not here. The rewards are in eternity. Learn. Learn these things, young people. Otherwise, you will be like Lot. A waste, saved and a wasted life. Nothing before God to say. 
nothing before God. Before man, yes. Elder of the city, rich, prosperous, all these things. Nothing before God. Nothing before God. Wasted life. Let your life not be wasted. Favor with God. He had favor with God. That's what we need. Favor with God. We need favor. When you make those decisions in life, you have favor with God. And last one, favor with man. The Bible says they hated me without cause. Jesus never fought with anybody. They fought with him. They fought with him because of his doctrine. If anybody dislikes you, and anybody fights with you, it's because of this. Because of this. You are not the cause of trouble. They are upset with you because you hold on to it and refuse to budge from this. I will live or die by this. Favor with man. Not because of other reasons. They had favor with all men. Then at 30, he started preaching the word. and Everything changed. First they flocked around him because of the miracles and the healings and the casting out demons. Then he started teaching. And when he started teaching and told them there is only one life acceptable to God. It is what? My life and not your life. You have to die and I will live through you. You have to eat my body, drink my blood, substitution of my life for your life. You die, I live. They said this is too hard a doctrine. And they were offended. Jesus said, are you offended by this teaching? And the word of God, he says, many of his disciples ceased walking with him from that day because of doctrine. The Pharisees told, do not teach this doctrine. They hated him because of his doctrine. If they hate you, let it be because of the doctrine, not because of your behavior. If your behavior causes people to dislike you, you deserve it. If your doctrine causes you to be disliked people, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. He says, if they persecute you for righteousness sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. Favor with God and favor with man. He was not fighting with his neighbors. He was not in the neighborhood drug gang in his teenage days, preteen and teenage years. He was not roaming with the Nazareth gang. No, he was not. He had favor with God and favor with man. Which gang are you associated with? In college, what are you known as? He was not. He had favor. Not just with God. He had favor with man. So understand. We're looking at the church. We're looking at the home. Because ultimately they are collapsed into one. The church is a composition of homes. So if you've gone wrong, go back. Put it right. Put it right. What is the purpose of marriage? Remember the first verse we looked at? It's a great mystery. For this reason, man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. The two shall become one. For what? Malachi 2.15. For this reason, yeah, he did not make them one. Why did he make them one? Having a remnant of the spirit. Why one? Because he seeks godly offspring. That's the purpose. 
result of that wonders. The child that you rear, the children you instruct, the children you bring up are godly. That's a Samuel. That's a David. That's a Joseph. That's a Daniel. That's a Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. That's a Jeremiah. That's why they are one. Why are you one? I mean, look at that. Look at that huge, big picture. Everything else, all your conflicts should cease. There's no room for conflict here. Our issues are petty. I'm not going to fight with my husband. I'm not going to fight with my wife. We have to come into agreement. You know what? We are not giving up on our children. If your children are in their teenage years, we are not giving up on our children. If your children are small, we have to raise them right. You know why? The purpose we have to become one is that he seeks what? Educated offspring. No. Successful offspring. No. Godly offspring. The rest are there in the world. Educated, successful, rich, sports people. Everything is there. Godly only in God's house. That's the reason. Don't forget purpose. Don't forget purpose. That purpose should swallow us. It should consume us. And it should set in our mind. You know what? I will not get into conflicts. I am not going to fight. I'm going to work together that spiritually we become one. Because when a man and a wife, and when a church comes together, you know the, the order in the book of Acts chapter 2, doctrine, fellowship, judgment, and prayer. If two of you agree on anything on earth, only two who are one can agree. You know why the whole universe is held together by the word of his power? Because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is not three. They are three, but they are one. And their purpose is being exemplified across the university, which comes after their unity. Oh, when a man and a woman who are one in the spirit of pray, things happen. Things happen. When a church comes together with one purpose, one will, and when they come together and they cry out to God, things happen. When the apostles were imprisoned and they were beaten up, the church gathered together and they cried out to God, God, stretch forth your hand with more signs and wonders and give your servants boldness to speak. The word of God says the whole place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit once again and they went out and preached once again. You why? The church was one. Church was one. And the first century church produced godly offspring. Godly offspring. There's no division in our homes. There should be no divisions in our homes. There's no division in our eldership. Ask him. Come here. Ask him. Your pastor. Ask him. 14 years. Have you ever had an argument? Never. Never. Had an argument. Never. 14 years. Not an argument. Notice God. Purpose is very clear. We are servants. Do you know what the word minister means? Servant. Do you know what the actual meaning of the word deacon means? Servant. The Baptist church should have board of servants. Nobody will want to become a deacon then. That's what it means. You know what we are here? To serve God. The beneficiaries of the service is you. You can take it or leave it. But we serve God. And in that, there is no division. There is no division. That is called worship. Worship means he is the center of around which rest of my, your life revolves. He is the center. God is looking for, and the time has come where people, he says, who will worship him 
in truth and in spirit. Worship him. He's the center of your life. Therefore, there cannot be discord. So we are talking about a home. And you can go back today, right back today, right here in the house of God. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. Peter, can you come sing a song for me? Because you are right here in the front. Like I said, October is the 10th month. It's the month of judgment. Not negatively. God is evaluating us. And the word of God opens our hearts and shows us our thoughts, our intention, our ways, our methods. God says, you know what? It's still not kosher. Still not what I'm looking for. And he says, come, surrender. I will turn. I will give it back. You may say, but pastor, it's too late. So many years. There is one who has promised. I will give you back the years the locusts have eaten. 80 years Moses wasted. But at the age of 80, God spoke to him. The next 40 years he ran. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how old you are. Don't look at the years as waste. There's somebody who can reach out and touch your past. And restore what has been eaten and stolen. Come Peter, could you lead us? Fathers, mothers, children, everyone, and all those listening overseas, around the world, around India, online, all of you. It's not over until God says it is over. Don't give up. Stand firm. Impart faith to your children. And if you have spoken and done your part during their early years, don't look at them as they see now. Moses is there. Enjoying the parties of the palaces of Egypt. Drinking and making merry with the other princes and nobles. 
but when he came of age but when he came of age he said no to the honor of being pharaoh's son he said no to the pleasures of sin he said no to the treasures of egypt and he said yes to the reproach of christ and to be identified with his people so will your children so will your children never never give up as long as there is life there is hope the prodigal son's father never gave up they never gave up and one day the father saw that familiar figure coming from the distance the son was coming back home the father did not speak about the wasted years the lost years he covered him he restored him and we have one greater than that father of a father in heaven who will not talk to you about your wasted years and lost years he will cover you he will put sandals back on your feet so that you have peace with god and you have peace with man he will put a ring on your finger so that your authority is restored as a child of the living god and he will still fulfill the purpose of god that's my prayer for the church today all our churches everywhere all our pastors everywhere all our elders here everywhere all our children here everywhere all homes everywhere my prayer god who will restore even 45 don't think you have lost time it's a god who will restore it's a god of restoration god who restores he will restore your home and he will restore your seat it's a god of restoration be still says god and know that i am god and especially bring our little ones lord all our little children the babies in the womb our teens the postteen children the unmarried ones i commit them all into thy hands lord i pray you would lay your hands upon them and you break the yoke over their lives touch their ears cleanse their ears with the precious blood of jesus that they may hear the soft voice of the holy spirit and obey that voice i pray for every husband and wife standing here and around the world in their homes restore homes empower homes for a nation is only as strong as the home for as the home goes so goes the nation but it's even more true for the church for as the home goes so goes the church and i pray lord restore and strengthen the homes i pray for the orphans and for the widows you said you are the husband to the widows and the father to the orphans so in your church there are no widows there can be no widows because you are their husband and in the church there can be no orphans because you are their father and i come against that orphan widow spirit in the name of jesus of nazareth and I command you to leave the hearts and minds of his god's people that they will walk in the wholeness of life and fulfill the purpose of god in their lives and they will not be depressed and discouraged for there are no widows and no orphans in god's kingdom for god is a husband and god is a father thank you thank you father because that's what you told your disciples i am going but i will send someone just like me you i will not leave you orphans i will come back to you 
you have come back. Spirit of God, we thank you, Lord. For it is you, O oh Lord, that causes us from inside to cry out, Abba, Father. We are not orphans. We are not destitutes. We are the children of the living God. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you. For anybody, this 17th day of this 10th month, wants to personally surrender, you can just come. It's between you and God. You can just step forward. The altar is here. You can come here. You can kneel over here. Just surrender your life. Keep doing it. Keep doing it until you see God touching it. One day it will become real. You can come forward. You can kneel over there and say, Lord, I just surrender my life. I don't know where I am going. I don't know what I ought to do. But you are my father. Would you speak to me? Would you lead me, O oh Lord? Would you show me, Lord? I made enough mistakes in my life. I don't want to add to that. For your word says that there is no shadow of turning with thee. There is no confusion with you. You're a God of light. You're a God of order. You're a God of clarity. Oh Lord, that you would speak. You would speak to your children, Lord. Oh Lord, that you would speak to your children. We are all your children. Our age is immaterial to you. Oh Lord, that you would speak, Lord. Almost all of them are about 12. At 12, you knew your father's business. And I pray, Father, everyone here today, especially those who are at the altar, would very soon know their father's business. That there would be no confusion in their lives. They would know they were called, they were chosen, and they were set apart for a time and a season like this. And wherever they are, in their classroom, in their offices, in their homes, they are witnesses of the living God. Father, your word says, when the offering is brought to the altar, it is the altar that sanctifies the offering. All these children, Every one of us here is on the altar. The altar is the cross. The altar is you. It is you who sanctify them, Lord. And I pray, Father, today, sanctify them. Cleanse them. Make them holy once again. Sanctify their minds. Sanctify their hearts. Sanctify their hearing. Sanctify their lips. Sanctify their eyes. That they may see. They may hear and they may have the word to lift those who are weary wherever they are and wherever they go. Touch their ears to hear and give them a steadfast heart, O Lord, that they will follow you all the way, Lord. Oh, Father, I just thank you. Oh, we just praise you. We just worship you. We just glorify you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Father, we just commit all these young ones, O oh Lord, in the name of Jesus. Touch them, Lord. Touch them, Father. Touch them. Touch them, Lord. Touch them. Touch them. Oh, Father, touch. Touch your soul. Touch your soul, Lord. Touch. Touch. Touch, Lord. Touch. Touch, Lord. Touch, Lord. Let every yoke be broken, Lord. Every yoke be broken in Jesus' name, Lord. Touch, Lord. Touch, Father. Touch. Touch the little ones, O oh Lord. Touch. Oh, Father, touch. 
Touch, Lord. Touch, touch, Father. Touch, Lord. Touch, 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 Father. Touch. Oh, Father, touch, Lord. Touch, touch, Lord. Touch. Touch your children, Lord. Touch, Lord. Commit them all into the hands of Lord. Touch, Father. Touch, touch, Lord. Touch. Oh, Father, touch, Lord. Touch, touch, Father. Touch. These are your children, Lord. A smoking flax you will not put off. A bruised reed you will not break. Oh, a contrite and a broken heart is that what you look for is what is written, oh Lord. Oh, Father, let it be a new beginning for them, Lord. A new beginning for your children, Lord. A new beginning. You will not despise those who come to you. For the call is from you. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. That's your call. Come to me, all you are thirsty, and drink of me. It's your call. Come and eat. Oh, that's your call. Come and see and dwell with me. That's your call. These are your calls in the word of God, O oh Master. And you have not changed. You're calling your children to come and sup with you, to drink of you, to dwell with you, and to be empowered and be sent of you, Lord. They shall be witnesses. He said, you shall be my witnesses. For God has no witness on earth except his church. No other witness. And I pray all these children will be your witnesses on earth, O Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, thank you. Thank you for every one of them, O Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, this morning, I just come to you, Lord. It is written, you came to seek, to save the lost. You came to heal the brokenhearted. And you are still the same. And I pray, Father, this morning, you would touch your people everywhere. It doesn't matter which country they are listening from, whether they are listening in the U.S. or Australia or in the Middle East. It doesn't matter. Anointing is not restricted. And I pray the healing will flow. Sick bodies will be healed. Oppressed minds will be delivered. Broken hearts will be put right. For you came to make us whole. Be healed in Jesus name. Be made whole in Jesus name. I pray lives will be made whole. I pray homes will be made whole. You're the God of restoration. You said in the last days, I will rebuild the broken down tabernacle of David. There are many tabernacles that are broken down. Rebuild them, Lord. Restore them, Lord. That praise can arise from our hearts through praise, O Lord. For it is demanded of us to offer you the sacrifice of praise. Rebuild the tabernacle of David, O Lord, in our lives, O Lord. That we will be a praising people. We will be a praying people. We will be a worshipping people, O Lord. That in the midst of the trials and the testings, we will sing. We will sing. 
as Paul and Silas sang in the prison. We will sing. In the midst of our exaltation, we will still sing. In good times and bad times, we will sing. Because God has set us free. And we shall abide in the house as a son. Speak that over your children. Here and everywhere, Lord. Oh Lord, that you would bless your people. Keep your people. Protect your people. And empower your people, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, thank you. For that you would go with us. And go before us, Lord. For we haven't gone this way before. And our eyes are upon you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, thank you. Lord, I praise you. I worship you. I glorify you. You alone deserve the glory, the honor, the power, the praise. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. With the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen.